0: She's never alone because she's scared of what she might say to herself, always drinking in the back room of the bar where everyone turns in a half-hearted grin. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily podcast on fantasy basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Fantrax and Basketball Monster and today's Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast is also brought to you by SeatGeek. Download the mobile app for the easiest way to buy tickets and use the promo code LOFANTASY to get yourself a $20 rebate. On your first purchase, my name is Josh Lloyd, and as always, you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at redrock underscore ball and across on Facebook at facebook.com slash basketball Of course, you can check out all of this stuff that we do over on Basketball Monster at basketballmonster.com, and out at our Twitter account, baskmonster, at baskmonster, of course, where we have our um, all our news that goes down in the NBA, and over on the site, all our projections for uh, your DFS needs. We're going to talk about the four games that we had on Sunday, including the end of the first series uh, in these playoffs, and then we're going to preview the three games that we have got on Monday. So let's get to it. To it. Let's get to it. Indeed, we will start off with the perfect DFS lineup for um uh, for Monday's uh, on oh, Monday for Sunday's action. On Fangio, it was Russ at 75.8. Chrissy Paul at 53.8. Point, paying up for point guard was the way to go. Lou Williams at 32.4. And Big Gerald Green at 25.4. Like I said yesterday, it's not it's not Rondo missing that's causing the, the, the series to switch. It's starting Gerald Green. You know that I'm being facetious with that. And obviously, Rondo missing is a big part. But Green was fantastic in this game. And it just shows how weird things can actually change. and uh, And swing games and swing series. On this, At the small forward position, it was the Joes from Utah, Joe Johnson at 39.3, and Jinglin Joe Ingles at 35.7, at power forward Thaddeus Young, 31.0, that's the last time we'll have to talk about him in these playoffs, Derek Favors, 29.4, and of course, as everyone picked it, Nene at 42.5 for a total of 365.8, and that cost 58600 on DraftKings. It was Russ at 85, Jamal Crawford at 32.75, Joey Johnson at 41, Trev Ariza at 31.75, Steve Adams 36.75, Chrissy Paul 57.25, Jingle and Joe at 38, and Nene at 45. And that was a total of 367.5, and that cost $49,900. That is, uh, that's all the action from Sunday's games. Well, that's, that's the perfect, uh, that's the perfect lineup from Sunday's action. Let's uh let's talk about those games that, uh, that we did have go down. But before we do that, let's have a quick word from our sponsor. And today's sponsor is of course SeatGeek. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts has always been a confusing process, but for, for uh, forever basically. But not now. It's always been hard to find those tickets and get the the best value that you can find. But SeatGeek makes it easier. They get all of these random ticket sites, put them together in one spot. So you don't have to go and browse six, seven, eight different sites to find the tickets. And then SeatGeek puts them all together by creating this app and this website that puts it all together and shows you where the value is. SeatGeek's the first place that you should be looking to find tickets. It's the first place that I look to find tickets to any event that I want to go and see. SeatGeek does all the price comparison for you. It looks through these sites and says, oh, this is a good deal. This is not so good a deal. And it makes it clear as anything on the site. Green, good. Red, bad. I think we can all follow through with that logic. They give you the most bang for your buck. They save you time and money, and each ticket is given a grade based on value. Best of all, all listeners to this podcast get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. NBA playoffs are in full swing. You want to go see an NBA playoff game. As I know, that there's plenty of people who listen to this podcast who do live in Australia, who have traveled over to the U.S., and they are going to see uh, NBA playoff games at the moment, and they have undoubtedly used SeatGeek to get themselves the best price and to get that $20 rebate off their first purchase. And to get your $20 rebate, it's simple. Download the SeatGeek app and go to the settings tab and click add a promo code. When you do that, enter the promo code, which is straightforward. It's L-O-Fantasy, ALLO fantasy Once you do that, and then once you make your first ticket purchase, SeatGeek will then send you a $20 rebate. Really straightforward. Cost you nothing to download the app. You save money on the tickets and you get $20 back in your own wallet as well. So download that Geek app and use the promo code LOFantasy today. Alright, let's, uh, let's break straight into these games and talk about what actually went down on Sunday. There were four Games, the first one, Cleveland, Indiana. There's obviously no uh implications for the Pacers moving forward because they are done. The sweep is over. The Cavs won by four. And very similarly to last season when the Cavs swept the Pistons in the first round, it was a sweep. But there was, it was never massive, massive blowouts. Obviously, we had that big comeback in game three, a four-point game here, a squandered lead in game one from the Cavs. Just games that they never seemed like they were going to lose, but never seemed like or they never were smashing them. And it's just the way the series has gone. LeBron was great. 33, 10 and 4 with 4 steals and 2 blocks. And Kyrie had 28 points with 3 blocks of his own. Obviously, he didn't sit out the final quarter in this game. Ended up with 37 minutes. And Kevin Love played 35. Now, Love was horrendous with just 2 of 13 shooting and only 5 points. But 16 boards sort of resurrected some of his value. While Darren Williams went bananas. 14 points in just 13 minutes for Darren. It was definitely the day for the, uh, old 2009. NBA stars to really get things cracking with uh with Darren and, and Joe Johnson later on. And Jamal Crawford as well, to be honest. Tristan Thompson had eleven boards in his thirty four minutes and J.R. Smith continued his uh fully shitful season by scoring five points in twenty nine minutes. We had Shumpert with seventeen minutes and Kyle Corver with eighteen. That's I think we're going to see that. We're under 20 for both of those guys and Smith went under 30 as well. For the Pacers, not much to talk about except for the big performance of Lance who had 22, six and three in 30 minutes and Miles Turner at least ended the season on a positive note with 20 points on 80% shooting. He is going to be a real interesting one next season. I think he can finish next season as a top 20 player. The status of Paul George is going to have an impact on that. If George leaves, I do think that actually really helps what Turner does from a fantasy point of view. Obviously the team will suck a lot more. But it will help what Turner can do. And if Jeff Teague happens to re-sign and Paul George is traded, then massive bump for Teague. who had 15, 4 and 10 with two steals and three blocks. And shout out to Jeff Teague for losing the last 12 consecutive games against, uh, against LeBron in the playoffs, 12 and 0 or 0 and 12 against LeBron in the playoffs. So shout out to, uh, for Jeff for that. My name is Jeff. His name is indeed Jeff. Don't need. To. they're not playing again the Pacers so we're going to cover them uh, fully when we do the season review podcast on the Pacers in the next few weeks let's talk about the next game the Houston Rockets and the Oklahoma City Thunder the Rockets get the victory on the road in game 4 to go 3-1 up in the series 113-109 the end of this game was was bizarre for a number of uh, number of reasons the end of the game on the court was bizarre with curious decisions and that's the theme of a lot of these playoffs is curious decisions and then, of course, you've all seen the press conference with Russell Westbrook intercepting a question for Stephen Adams and, uh, and not answering the question. And yeah, just lots of it. I'm not even going to go into that too much because there are lots of opinions on, you know, the reporter's trash. He shouldn't be asking that question. Actually, I will get into it. I think the, I think the question was fine and the question was directed at Adams. Probably didn't need to be pushed on three or four times. I appreciate everything that Russ was doing there and saying he would take that question and he'll shut it down. And he'll put the blame on himself. No problem with it whatsoever. But again, the question was directed uh, at Adams. So a lot of people saying, oh, why would you ask Russ that question? He didn't. He didn't ask that question to Russ. He acted it, asked it towards Steven Adams. And that's, yeah. So a lot of people do get confused with things like that, but no problem with what Russ did really. Obviously you want an answer out of Adams, but but Russ, no problem with anything that he said. No problem with the reporter asking the question or even going back to it in a sec- for a second go. For the uh, for the Rockets, Trevor Ariza had been horrendous through a uh, majority of this season, all this post postseason. The first three games, but he stepped it up fourteen, five, and three with three steals and three triples. He was never going to be as bad as he was. He has struggled against the Thunder at times, but it was good to see him get back on back on track. While Eric Gordon, thirty six minutes for the second consecutive game, eighteen and eight with four triples and two blocks. He has been really impressive. While uh, Ryan Anderson has been the opposite of impressive, nine points in twenty minutes, and I'll continue to say it, Ryan Anderson's just not that good. He, he just he just isn't that good. He's definitely not consistent, and um I think we're going to see more of that situation of Ariza at the four and playing more Eric Gordon and Lou Williams. Lou Williams was good too, eighteen and seven with a pair of steals in his thirty-two minutes, and Nene was really yeah a, a massive factor in this game late. Twenty-eight and ten for Nene in twenty-five minutes. What a signing that was from Daryl Murray. He was a perfect twelve of twelve from the field, and normally I'm I'm against not giving Capella big minutes, but when Anais is playing like this, knock yourself out. That's what you need to do. The Rockets with a really predictable eight-man rotation as well. Those eight guys are playing every single game. Capella wasn't terrible, it's just that Nene was uh, was clearly on fire in this one. Jimmy Harden, 16, 7, and 8, apparently playing with a tweaked ankle. His production has been down, and he has not been the greatest of DFS options through the majority of this series, as we've talked about uh, quite a bit. He was only 31% on his 16-shot attempts. On the Thunder, Russ had a triple-double, 35, 14, and 14, with three threes, three steals, and a block, but inefficient once again, just 36% from the field on 28 shots. Got to the line a lot, obviously, but it's still a a big performance and you needed a big performance to justify that ginormous salary that he was putting up on the DFS sites. Vic Oladipo, finally, it it did come for him. And these are the sort of lines minus the assists that we thought that he could do. 15-4-2 with two steals and two blocks. As I've said a multitude of times, one of the biggest reasons for the fall of what Oladipo's ranking was this season is his defense completely disappeared. His assists cut in half and his defense disappeared. Now, Billy Donovan is not a good coach, in my opinion. He makes lots of questionable decisions, and his reasoning for those decisions is often poor. I've talked about it when they said, you know, why aren't you playing Taj Gibson more? The answer's never made sense. And then Eric Horn today, who I have been discussing this with a little bit over Twitter, he went and asked Donovan the, the question today. Why aren't you playing Victor Oladipo as your backup point guard without saying that Norris Cole is out, and Samajay Kristen is terrible, but we both know, or well, we all know that they are. Why, why aren't you playing Victor Oladipo as your backup point guard? And Donovan's answer was, oh, well, during the season, we, we haven't done that. I'm aware you haven't done that, Bill, because Oladipo's played 55 minutes or 2% of his minutes at point guard this season. Oh, we haven't done that this season. We've gone with Samajay. We've gone with, um, we've gone with Norris as our backup point guard through the season. And that, that is technically correct. It is also incorrect on about a million other, other levels because just because you have done something doesn't mean it was the right thing to do and doesn't mean it continues to be the right thing to do. Now, I am generally anti-teams throwing up completely foreign concepts in the playoffs. You know, weird things like the Blazers starting lineup that hasn't played together all season. Um, the Bulls running the three Alphas and Miritic we hadn't played all season. Um, yeah, starting Gerald Green and playing him big minutes. there's Just stuff like this happens, and sometimes it doesn't make sense. But in this one, it made sense from the moment that Oladipo got traded to the Thunder. It was poor coaching to never do it at all during the season. So while I do applaud him saying we won't do it now because we haven't done it during the season, and I understand that that is that can be a problem, a continuity problem and a learning problem, but the, the reason you haven't done it during the season, Billy, is your own fault. So you get the blame for that, for not – actually recognizing that that is the best option for this team and letting Oladipo handle things on the second unit. That is the best thing for this team. And like the other day when, when he said, Oh yeah, I I would have liked to have played Cantor more minutes. It's your choice. It's your choice to play Cantor more minutes. It's not anyone else's. So you would have liked to, well, if you would have liked to do it Straightforward. Same as this one. Oh, we didn't do it because we haven't done it before. Do it. It's been the, Dog's ballsy most obvious solution the entirety of the season. And the fact that you haven't done it is a massive, massive negative against what Donovan does with this team. He had a great, great coaching last season in the series against the Spurs and it made us all turn around and go, hey, Donovan, he's worked something out and you know, it, it played. But I don't think that he's that good a coach. And this Oladipo thing is really bothersome to me. Also, the fact that you're getting games where Adams and Cantor aren't playing all 48 minutes at center. Someone else is playing center minutes on this team. Now, maybe that's Taj, but he's still not playing enough. There's just questionable decisions, but the Oladipo Depot one is the biggest one that's bothering me. I know that was a mini rant, uh, mini, mini rant on that, but it's, it's just frustrating that this is a, this is a common sense, um, a, a common sense thing that should, look, it should have been done from, and definitely immediately after Cameron Payne got traded, or at the start of the season when Cameron Payne was injured. There was literally no excuse for playing Samajay Kristen ever. Oladipo needed to be that guy handling the ball in that second unit. And while I do applaud that I'm not changing things now because it's the playoffs and we haven't done it all season, the reason you haven't done it all season is because you're inept. Steve Adams had a big game, finally. We've been waiting two, three months for this to happen. 18-7 for Steve in 37 minutes with a steal and three blocks. It's been a while coming. I wouldn't be relying upon it every single game, but it was nice. Also, Andre Robertson. What is going on with this guy? Yes, they hacked the shit out of him on free throws, and he was a putrid 2 of 12. That's disgusting, especially for a perimeter guy. It's really bad. But... His production especially DFS wise has been through the roof. 13 and 4 with two steals and five blocks, he's getting the extra minutes mirroring Harden and he is a, an, an enormous perimeter defender but he's actually producing really good fantasy numbers and his salary continues to rise but rightfully so. He's he's putting it together. Taj wasn't as good as game 3 6 and 2 in 22 minutes but still he needs to play more than that. Well, Doug McDermott had five points in 19 and uh Alex Abrines had five points in his 15 minutes. Um. let's move on to the next game also Norris Cole 9 minutes no points minus 18 he is terrible he is terrible and people will always go and defend him. oh he won two rings cool did he or did he just happen to be on the team that won two rings doesn't he, it he? is the flimsiest worst excuse narrative when you're talking about shit players oh he's won two rings or even when you're talking about good players he hasn't won a ring. He's won five rings. It is the bullshittiest excuse of or argument of all time. Norris Cole is bad. He was bad in Miami. He was horrendous in New Orleans twice. He's horrendous in Oklahoma City. That's just who he is. And when I say horrendous, horrendous as an NBA backup point guard, eighth man type of role. It's not who he is. He's bad, and he continues to be bad. Boston and Chicago. Isaiah Thomas 33, 4 and 7 in the Celtics, uh, in the Celtics victory to even this series up two games apiece. A, A really solid, um, performance from Isaiah. Fred Hoiberg going off a little bit in the, in the post game press conference, trying to get his own take that for data t shirt happening, talking about Isaiah Thomas carrying the ball. I don't think it's getting you anywhere, Fred. Sorry, mate. I do understand where he's coming from, but that literally never gets called anywhere. And it's not, it's not exclusively Isaiah Thomas that's doing it. Al Horford, 15, 12, and four with a triple one. It was a good Horford night. Well, Gerald Green, what the world is this where Gerald Green comes in starts and is literally a difference maker? 18 and seven for Gerald in 23 minutes with four triples. He was, uh, he was laying down the smackdown on some big dunks. He was hitting threes. It was all happening for Gerald. Marcus Smart had a very Marcus Smart line, just five points on seven shots, but a triple one. Eight boards and six assists. And this is why he continues to be an intriguing fantasy player. Not for the scoring, but for those abilities to rack up those other numbers. Jay Crowder had 11 and uh, Kelly Olinik looked pretty good as well. Didn't miss a shot. Hit all four of them. Only played 16 minutes. And to me, this is, it, it continues to be a failing to me of, of Stevens, just not being able to use Olinik correctly. 10 and three with a triple one for Kelly. And it was not a good night for Avery Bradley, who had eight points in 34 minutes. Interestingly, Amir Johnson out of the rotation completely. Again, weird, this stuff that just you haven't done it all season, and now Amir Johnson's just done. Tyler Zeller out as well, and they were replaced by Yonishi Repko who had two points in 10 minutes. Jalen Brown, basically out of the rotation as well, played in about the last minute of the game or two minutes and ended up with just 59 seconds and didn't register a stat. He has been pretty poor in these playoffs. Speaking of poor in the playoffs, the Chicago Bulls, no Rajon Rondo. So Jaron um, Grant started, he played five minutes. Didn't come back after that at all. Ended up with one assist for the night. He was replaced by Michael Carter-Williams, who played eight minutes and had one assist. So the two point guards on this team combined for 13 minutes and two assists and no other stats. And then we got Isaiah Cannon. Isaiah Cannon is bad. He's really bad. Um, the fact that he is playing over Denzel Valentine is not ideal. Cannon is just is, is horrendous, really. Grant was horrendous. Carter Williams was horrendous. Now Cannon played these big minutes, and you just know that this is going to mean that Cannon is going to play big minutes in the next game. It's almost a guarantee. I would have liked to have seen them run with more Butler and Wade and had Valentine out there to space or even run Valentine as the point guard, but it does run you into a problem of who defends Isaiah Thomas then. Obviously, Carter Williams can defend him a little bit. Grant can defend him. Cannon can defend him. Valentine... Can't, and that puts extra stress on Jim Butler. So I do understand that to a to a degree, but Isaiah Cannon with 34 minutes is not a playoff development that I saw coming. 13 minutes, two point, two rebounds. Try again. 34 minutes, 13 points, three triples, two rebounds, three assists, and two steals for Cannon. Um, Nikola Mirotic 13 and seven with a couple of threes. He was solid, and Bob Porter's had eight and eight in his. 23 minutes. Not a bad, not a bad Bob performance. He looked, he looked okay, but it's still Miritich's job and Miritich's minutes the most of the time. One thing I do have to give Hoiberg plenty of shit for is the complete absence of Robin Lopez. 22 minutes for Lopez, 8 and 7, did not see the court at all in the fourth quarter, barely played in, in the second half. Just baffling. Lopez was the big factor in winning games 1 and 2, and the last two games he's barely played and they've lost. Now, some of it's coincidence, but It is a contributing factor, and Lopez needs to play more than that. I liked what Felicio did, but you still need to play Lopez more than 22 minutes. I'm sorry. The last game of the night... The Los Angeles Clippers and the Utah Jazz. The Jazz get a huge victory here, um, 105-98. We'll start with the Clippers side of things. Chrissy Paul, 27, 9, and 12, just missed the triple double. So obviously it's a bad game for him. Um without Blake Griffin there. Just a huge performance from Paul once again. And Jamal Crawford was fantastic also. 25 points, five triples, but it came on 69% shooting. Giggity. And we know that 69% shooting is not something that's going to be able to be sustained throughout the series. And he's been pretty poor through the first three games. This was a great night for him. Ray Felton also stepped up with 11 in 21 minutes. And Luke Marmute still did his thing. Five and five with three steals in 34 minutes. And given the the pricing that he is at, that's that's not bad. JJ Reddick had 12 points and nothing else. And DeAndre had 12 and 10. And interestingly, Doc Rivers decided that you know, with Blake Griffin out, he would start Maurice Spates next to DeAndre Jordan. Maurice Spates and DeAndre Jordan for the entirety of the regular season played 99 minutes together. 99. And then your first choice is, even though you had Blake Griffin out for 18 games during the regular season and you played... Okay, you don't have Austin Rivers there? Yep. Paul Pierce, Wes Johnson, um, Brandon Bass, these other guys who did well in this role, except Pierce in this role. You, You could have started them, but no, let's go to a lineup that we literally have never tried at all through the regular season. Now, Spates ended up with 21 minutes, five and four. It wasn't a disaster, but it's still just a confusing thought process when these guys just don't play together and you're using Spates exclusively as a center and you've got other options there. You've got Bass, you've got Johnson, you've got Paul Pierce, who actually played minutes in this position, in this role during the season, as bad as he is, it's confusing. Yeah, Bass did not see the court at all. Wes Johnson played four minutes. These are coaching misfires from Doc. We had zero... Points from Paul Pierce in 12 minutes. Confusing. The Jazz. Rudy Gobert returned. Doubtful, questionable, doubtful, questionable, probable playing. That was the process of Gobert's status over the last 24 hours. But he played. Um, he was on a little bit of a minutes limit because he was in these really short stints as he was getting back from the knee, but he didn't look bothered by it. He played 24 minutes, had 15 and 13 with two blocks on perfect six of six shooting. It was all systems going. I imagine he'll be back to 35, 36 minutes in game five for Gobert. Well, as a uh, as a neutral fan, you would hope that's the case anyway. And then just as it looked like the Jazz were getting everyone back and everyone's ready to go, Gordon Haywood eats something wrong, some fish, pizza, too much alcohol, probably not, but something. And he's got food poisoning and he has to have IVs before the game and he's playing the same short stints that Gobert was playing Heads back to the locker room to get an IV, and the Jazz just say, "Mate, just go home. You're done." And they send him home. And that was it for for Haywood for the rest of the game. So the Jazz can't catch a break. He only had three points in his nine minutes, but what it enabled is it enabled Joe Johnson to go bananas. Twenty-eight five and five for his second game-winning performance of the series. What a what a weird thing that is to say. It enabled Jinglin Joe Ingles to go bananas as well. Eight six and eleven with two steals, two triples, and a steal. He is going to get a huge contract. And he deserves it because he is bloody good. It also enabled Rocket Rodney Hood to yeah, finally step up and show us that what we know he can do. He's had a dreadful season. He's been bothered by injuries, foot injuries, knee problems, um, pants shitting episodes all through the year. But finally, he stepped up. Now, I had an argument, a discussion with someone on Twitter today. He, he might even be listening to this podcast. One of my followers that said, you know, the Jazz shouldn't be playing guys that, you know, building a team. You shouldn't be playing guys who aren't good players or don't have the potential to be good players. And he said, you know, Hood shouldn't be playing. I said, oh, that's a curious decision. He said, no, I, I don't think that Hood's good. We've seen what he's done. And he's peaked. I completely disagree with that. And then, you know, almost immediately after he said that, Hood started going off in the second, <laughs> in that fourth quarter. I think that Hood has had a, a bad third year. I think he's a, a real future um, potential, not not all-star, but a a, a a decent, a really good starting level player. And we saw it in his second half. Now, I don't know whether he's going to be able to sustain that and hasn't been a great year for him. But if Haywood happens to miss game five, which I don't think he will, then Rocket is a guy that we look to step up. I, I'd really dislike the um, Quinn Snyder, we can't play Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert together situation. They basically only played center today. 24 minutes for favors, 17 and 6 with two steals. So that we had to get our 10 minutes of Boris Diaw as a starter. I, I don't, Diao was finished last year, he's finished now. There's no reason. I would like to see more favors go bare together. Or Georgie Hill had 13-1-2 in 41 minutes. Interestingly, Hull Neto was the backup point guard for this game, but we still got five minutes of Shelvin Mack. Who knows why? And then we got Dante Exum re-exhumed for three points in 12 minutes. So again, some more curious, weird coaching, and the Neto-Mack combination backcourt is literally something that should never happen ever, especially when you can throw out Rocket. Georgie Hill, Jinglin Joe. You got those three guys that you can put out there. Throw Joe Johnson in that mix. Throw Exum in that mix. Like, we don't need to see Mac and Neto playing together. But the Jazz get the victory and they, uh, even the series two games apiece. All right. Let's, um, let's talk. Let's talk about the games that we're going to have come up now on Monday. We have got three games of action on, uh, On on Monday for the NBA and for our DFS perusal. The first one of those is game five in the Milwaukee and Toronto series. Series tied two games apiece. The Raptors here are favourite at six back in Toronto and the total is a miserly 192.5 points. No injury concerns for us to be bothered with. We obviously want, we want to pay really close attention to what Casey does with the starting lineups. If it wasn't Dwayne Casey coaching, I would say I would be stunned if Norman Power didn't start again. But it's Dwayne Casey coaching. It did take until game 80, what is it, game 86 of the season for Power to actually start with the other starters, not in place of Damari Carroll, not in place of Demar DeRozan, but to play alongside these guys. And I don't think he's going to abandon it after it works so well. So. So I think we're going to see more of that. Let's let's go to the point guards here. We'll go to Kyle Lowry first. He is an eight thousand six hundred dollar player on FanJul and he's seventy five on DraftKings. It goes without saying that I like that a lot more on DraftKings at seven thousand five hundred. He had thirty four in the last game, and that's that's not far off where it needs to be at eighty six on FanDuel. Though yes, the pricing and the ratios are uh, up and down respectively. But at eight thousand six hundred, there are much better point guard options that are going to be available on the board, I think, than using Lowry outside of a GPP type of scenario. I hope that DeLon Wright has fully elevated himself over Corey Joseph. He's a twenty one hundred dollar player, so I wouldn't hate having a squiz at DeLon there and saying, "Hey, I'm loading up on some big, uh, big price guys and other positions. My my Yarni, my Steph." My, um, Johnny Wall, those sort of guys, um, and, and maybe D-Line comes through with a 14-15 pointer. It, it is a possibility. At 2100, he has to be considered. At 23 on DraftKings, he also is in, uh, in discussions for that GPP spot. As for Broggo, Malcolm Brogdon, 5,400. The minutes have been down the last two games under 30 minutes for Brogdon. There really isn't much in that cheapish, mid-priced point guard range on Monday. So if you're looking for someone, and I think spending up for point guard is going to be the way to go on Monday. But if you want that, you don't want to take a flyer on a DeLon Wright or, or, a, or a Brandon Jennings or someone like that, and you want to go mid-priced and balance your salary, Brogdon's got to be the way to go at 5,400. He is due to have an improvement in his, in his production. So I think he's worth a look there. I'm not really that keen on uh, DeLon especially with his salary staying up at 3,600. And Corey Joseph had a uh, minus two in the last game. So safe to say we won't be... uh we won't be getting too, um, too interested there. At shooting guard, you have to look at Norm Powell. You have to. In cash, he's at 3,100. He dropped 25 in the last game. If he starts, if he plays 30 minutes, he's smashing that. That's six, that's seven, that's eight. That's, man, that's even 10x potential there for, for Norm. He's at 38 on DraftKings as well. There is a risk that there is a bust factor, but we haven't really seen it from Norm all season. When the minutes are there, when the role is there. He comes through. And I think that's the situation we're going to find ourselves in here. Yanni at 10,700. That's not the best way to spend 10,000 to me. To me, if I'm spending 10, I'm spending it on John Wall. Now, Yanni can obviously go off and he's got probably that higher upside than Wall. So Wall, you might feel more confident about getting 50 or 55, but Yanni's got the ability to go for 70 or 75. So that makes, maybe swings him as a GPP guy, but it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel great. If I want a higher price shooting guard, which is not 100% the way to go here, it's DeMar DeRozan at 9,000. I feel like he'll get me 45, and I feel more confident about him getting— If you say to me, will DeMar get 45 or will Giannis get 55? I'll say, DeMar will get me 45, and that's what I want to look at in cash. But if I say, what's the highest? Yanni can go 75. DeRozan might go to 50. So then Giannis gets the, the nod there, but DeRozan's the one I look for. In that cash game setup at small forward, Mick Beasley, 1,800. Two games in a row. He's been ahead of the, in the rotation ahead of Mirza Toledovic. We know that Beasley is one of those guys that can easily drop 20 points in 18 minutes. It's happened before plenty of times. At 1,800, has to be in your pool. Has to be a, a consideration guy. Chrissy Middleton at 7,000. He is not bad. He's obviously not getting anywhere near five x on FanDuel at that price, but he's obviously got the ability to. And again, we're looking at four x's on FanDuel more than fives uh, these days. So, yeah, Middleton is fine for those one of those mid-priced um, shooting guard type of players. Same on DraftKings at sixty-six. PJ Tucker, Damari Carroll, Nup. If I'm going any of those non descript low price small forwards it's Tone Snell now he did have his good game in the last one with twenty three points, but I do feel more comfortable with Snell getting more minutes than Tucker and Carroll and having that higher upside, so he does become that tournament upside and what a time to be alive where I can say that Tone Snell has more upside than anybody in the NBA at power forward Sergio Barker six thousand three hundred that 's the way you go at power forwards there 's not many options realistically um in the big man spots throughout this uh throughout this slate not many supreme ones anyway. And if you want to go a little bit cheaper, then Serge is, is definitely one of those guys that you can take a look at. I wouldn't be all that interested in, say, Pat Pat, who was uh, who put up the old 2.7 in the last game. So that's not obviously uh, helping us in any way. At center, Thon McCurr, 3900 for Thon. He's playing better every single game. And him and Greggy Munro split the minutes down the middle in the last game, 24 minutes a piece, and he put up 18 points. And at 3,900, 18 points, it doesn't sound like much, but again, in the current landscape of Fangio pricing, it's not far off, and I don't, I don't completely dislike Thon. He's at 34 on DraftKings, and that's a better option. Still, probably look at him more as a GPP sort of a player. Jonas Valanciunas back to the bench. His minutes remain the same, and that is not high enough. At five thousand four hundred, I'm not keen on Jonas. While Griggy Munro at 6,800 Fangio, man, that's way too high. I like what Munro can do, but if he's going to play 24 minutes for him at 6,800, it's 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 too expensive. Now Greg's at 57 on DraftKings. That is a price I can get behind, and i feel relatively comfortable that the dude's averaging 31 over his last five, and his lowest score in those games has been just 22. So 5700, it's a pretty decent floor. But at 68 on Fangirl, I'm not. Uh, I'm not feeling that. Sorry, dudes at FanDuel. Let's move on to the next one. We're going to talk Washington and we're going to talk Atlanta. We've got this uh, game four happening here with the Wizards leading two games to one. The Hawks are favored by two and a half, and the total is 211.5 points. Otto Porter is listed as probable after not being able to finish the last game, and Ersan Ilyasova is probable with a calf. Yanmi Mihinmi has been ruled out for Washington, so it looks like Porter's going to play, but he has only played 23 minutes the last game, the last two games, so it is something to watch. He's not going to be a strong a strong option, I don't think. Um, the point guard battle here, it's all Johnny Wall that we're looking at. He's one of the stronger plays to me, at least the more consistent guys at 10,200, you know, 45 to 50 points. It shouldn't feel like too much of a stretch for Johnny to get to that level. So I do really like him. He's at 10 two on DraftKings as well. No problem. The other guy that you do have to pay attention to is Dennis Schroeder. Now his salary is jumping. He's at 78 now on DraftKings, but he's averaging 43 points in the, in this series. That's pretty bloody good if you ask me. Um... He's at 78 over on, uh, 78 on DraftKings and he is at uh, 85 on Fancho. Now the 85 is probably pushing the friendship just a little bit, but he's not a complete write-off. But 78, I've got no, no concerns with that. He's putting up numbers fairly consistently for this team and you can say that he doesn't help the team win. That's fair enough, but he's getting the minutes and he's getting the numbers. And when you're talking about setting your DFS lineup, that's all you can really, uh, all you can really ask for. If you want to go cheap on someone, Brandon Jennings is someone to take a look at. $3,000 on Fangio. He had 17 in the last game, and he's averaging 16 points across this series. $3,000, 16 points, sign me up. That is a totally fine way to go, although I do think that spending up a point guard is the better option. But if you want to go cheap, yeah, Jennings definitely comes into play there. He's had a couple of decent games, and if this game gets blowouty at all, yeah, Jennings is going to see some extra minutes and could really you know, turn the corner and put up some, some nice numbers. Also, I also like the uh, the shooting guards here Timmy Hardaway's down to five thousand one hundred. It's fair to say he's been terrible, averaging just sixteen points in the three games in this series at fifty one hundred I'm back on board a big hardaway game I think is going to come so i'm I'm there for that seventy five hundred for Braddles beale i'm not I'm not as interested, but there's definite value there same on draftkings I think both guys are, are pretty solid guys. To have a look at, at small forward, Otto Porter's at 48. So the salary has come down, but man, Otto's not even getting anywhere close to that really. And with the risk of the shoulder and the risk of Kali Ubre playing more minutes, I'm just not interested. Kent Bazemore, I'm continually not interested. Torian Prince is, I am interested here, 4,300 for Torian. He had 23 points in the last game. He's had two strong games out of the three playoff games so far. I'm here for Torian giving us another 20 and being a, a really decent option at that price. Same on Kings at 44. I don't really have too many concerns about him. As for Ubre and Bogdanovich, they're not solid. Um, they're not solid DFS contributors. So, you know, even if Porter was out, which it doesn't appear likely, I might look at Ubre as a tournament guy there, but I wouldn't look, lock him in as a core guy, even if, um, Otto doesn't, doesn't make the, uh, doesn't make the game. Also, Tybo Sefalosha, not playing. Continues to be weird. Markeith Morris five thousand seven hundred had some decent games in this series. I think one game maybe fifty seven hundred is fine, especially with a seven hundred dollar price drop. Um, it's okay. I don't. I wouldn't build a lineup around it. Well, Paulie Millsap's another way you can go if you do want to spend up a big man. Eight thousand four hundred for Paul. He had fifty seven in game three. Him getting to 40 is not a not a stretch. Muscala's playing minutes over Dwight Howard at times. That doesn't mean that you want to use him for DFS, though. But at 2,900, if he gets 15 points, you're you're not far away. But 15 points does seem like it's a little bit of a distance away from Muscala at the moment. At center, Gortat, 5,600. Shit the bed in game three after two strong performances. I'm all right with getting back on him and getting the 25 or 26 here from Marchin. And I'm definitely out on Dwight Howard at 6,600. So the salary is coming down. It's not coming down enough. On DraftKings, Dwight's at 6,100, so that's getting closer, and that, to me, is a GPP option. I still like Gortat, though, at 5,800 over on DraftKings. Let's uh crack on now to the last game of the night, and it is Golden State and Portland. We don't know the status of Kevin Durant, of Shawnee Livingston, and Matty Barnes. They are all questionable. For Portland, Yusuf Nurkic is out, Um you feel like this is season uh series done. This is uh this is a sweep, this is happening here, regardless of Durant's status. Nurkic is out, um they just didn't want to rest him, they didn't want to push him, he was feeling a bit sore. I, I don't see it happening here for Portland. So with Nurkic out where hopefully we're gonna and this is completely counter to what we've seen, but in the two games that Nurkic didn't play we saw less minutes from Aminu in the game that Nurkic played, Aminu's minutes went up. Logic doesn't always follow NBA coaches around. But I I think we're going to see a bit more Aminu here. Obviously, if Durant and Barnes are out, you're going to get more Pat McCaw. You're going to get a little bit more Ian Clark, and you're going to get a lot more Steph, Clay, Draymond, and Iguodala. And you might even get some more JaVale McGee, who's been brilliant these last two games. So don't be surprised if JaVale McGee is a decent option. At point guard, let's talk about Steph Curry here. Of course, he is at 10,300, and that's a little high. I like what Steph has done and he was great in the last game. If Durant is out, I would be into Steph at 10,300. If Durant plays, I would definitely be fading Curry at that sort of a salary, but it does depend a little bit on uh, on Kev's status. Curry's at 96 on DraftKings, so it's more appealing over there, but it's still it's going to rely upon Durant not playing to me. Dame Lillard 9,500 hasn't really given us too much to love at that sort of a salary so far, but one of the best GPP options, and if I'm taking a GPP guy, I'm taking Dame over Steph. I'm taking Dame over Kyle Lowry at that higher end point guard market because he's at home. Could be the last game of the season. Maybe he drops a fifty. Definite possibility. He could easily have seventy, seventy-eight, eighty points here. So he does become a, a really good GPP play. shorty Livingston is fifteen hundred dollars over on FanDuel. We don't know if he's going to play, but maybe. Probably not, but maybe at 1500 there. When you see that number and you go, this guy's definitely getting minutes and probably getting 17 to 20, it has to pique your interest to some level. But don't get, don't get overly sucked in. At shooting guard, CJ McCollum, 8,200. Great game one, terrible game two, great game three, eight thousand two hundred. I feel like it's a it's a pretty decent bet that he's gonna at least approach close to five X, so he is fine to me. Seventy six on DraftKings is no worries at all. Clay Thompson, tournament if Durant is out. Sorry, try it again. Clay Thompson, tournament if Durant is in. If Durant is out, I feel much better about using him as a cash game play at seven thousand five hundred. He's at sixty five on DraftKings, so if Durant is out at sixty five on DraftKings, I would smash Clay Thompson at that price. I think that's great value. You're getting thirty plus almost no doubt if Durant happens to be up. If Durant is in, Thompson becomes a little bit of a trap, in my opinion. The blue swimmer has been brutally bad. Alan Crabb averaging just 10 points in this series. And that's not 10 points from the field. That's 10 FanDuel points. He is at $4,000. You can only look at Crabby as a, uh, as a tournament guy and hope that he hits his shots. But realistically, he's just not that good. So I wouldn't be putting huge faith there. And obviously, um, uh, Pat, uh, Pat McCaw is the other, the other guy that we do need to pay some attention to if Durant happens to be out. If Durant is in, then McCaw might not, might not even play. At Small forward, Evan Turner four thousand nine hundred. I've liked what we've seen from Evan. I've got no problem in, in considering him a play on both DraftKings and on FanDuel. He's better option on FanDuel at forty nine. He's fifty five on DraftKings. He does have some value there, but I, I like Evan Turner here. Aminu at fifty four hundred. I'm I'm making a bet that um that Stotts goes to that situation that works better. So when Nurkic is out, he runs more with Aminu, but. I don't know. That's what he did in the regular season. Except in the first two games of this series, he abandoned it. Again, weird coaching. If Durant plays, I, I don't care. I'm not interested. And Andre Iguodala at 5,600. I think that if Durant is out, Iguodala in cash is actually a, a decently solid play. Mo Harkless, you Harkless, you can have him. Uh, 3,200 for Noel Vonley. Hasn't been the greatest series for Noel Vonley, but still, with Nurkic back in the last game, put up 22 points. And he can be an elite rebounder. And if he gets 10 boards at 3,200, a couple of putbacks... Maybe a block or two at 3200 for a guy that will start and could approach 30 minutes. I think you have to consider, uh, Noel Vonley at that sort of a salary. Definitely worth a look. Draymond has killed the Blazers all season. 8,800 for, uh, for Draymond. He is, uh, I think he's fine to use again. I'd probably take Millsap over him, but it, it really does depend. Uh, I, I like Draymond a little bit more over on DraftKings, but they're your two big priced power forward options that you're going for. Someone here, Kenneth Lowey, or Lowey, says Matt Barnes. Yeah, what about him? Uh, he's questionable at the moment. Um, if he is ready to go and Durant doesn't play, I don't think that it's going to be much to see with Barnes because I still think that they will give McCaw a big chunk of those minutes as Barnes is returning from an ankle problem, and McCaw has looked great. So I don't think that Barnes is anything more than a 50th GPP lineup punt option. I don't really see much there with uh, with Barnesy. Um, Dave West, Myers-Leonard, nah. At center, the only guy we need to talk about is JaVal McGee. He is at 4,100, which is pretty high, but he is averaging 22.5 over this series, which is just crazy to think that JaVale McGee is doing that. He's at 37 on DraftKings. By no means would I lock him into cash, but he has been fantastic in games two and three and is a real chance to get 20 points again, and that can be interesting in GPP. So consider him, but I wouldn't be looking too hard at him. Weirdly enough, he played more minutes than Zaza in the last game. Petrulia only had 10 minutes, while Gervais Gervais saw 16 for those 21 points. So a little bit of a weird, uh, again, weird lineup situation going on. Also, I hope everything is fine with Steve Kerr. He won't be coaching. There's a real chance that he doesn't coach again in these playoffs. He's having more problems with his back um yeah the back surgery that he had it causes lots of migraine issues nausea issues spinal fluid leakage issues incapacitating headaches which i imagine the squeak and the bounce of the ball off the wood and the bright lights don't really help so he is out he probably won't coach again at least this series depending on how, or you know, regardless of how long it goes and he may not coach again in the playoffs so mike woodson is going to be in control uh, for Golden State and, you know, just everyone, I, I hope, well, everyone should hope that, that Steve Kerr is okay in whatever these problems are that he's having, that he can get a handle on it. But this has been two years and you, know, you hear talk of guys, you know, close to the Warriors saying that a lot of the motivation they get is because they know how sick Kerr actually is and how bad he's suffering. And they do a lot of things for him because they do, uh, they do obviously, uh, love what he provides to them. Let's talk picks of the day now before we go. On Fangio, Jennings at 3,000, Brogdon at 54, and Johnny Wall at ten two. At shooting guard, Norm Powell, 31, Timmy Hardaway, 51, and DeRozan at 9,000. To me, Powell is a pretty core cash play. At small forward, Mick Beasley, 1,800. El 54, at power forward. Vonley at 3,200. That I don't know what that spelling is up there. Sergio Barker, 6,300, and Paul Milsap, 84. And at center, JaVale McGee, 41, and Gortat at 56. On DraftKings, DeLon Wright, 23, Kyle Lowry, 75, and Johnny Wall, 102, Timmy Hardaway, 5,000, Beal at 74, and DeRozan at 83. Small forward, Norm Powell, 38, Evan Turner, 55, and Yarny at 9-9. At Powerford, Mick Beasley, 24, Ibaka at 62, and Draymond at 84, and at center, Thonmaker, 34, Mutchin Gortat, 58, and Paul Millsap, $8,000-y On Moneyball, Jennings at 35, Schroeder at 69, and Lowry at 81, Powell at 36, Middleton at 64, and DeRozan at 88, Torian Prince at 37, Evan Turner, 51, and Adedokumpo at 112. vonle at 44, Ibaka at 61, and Draymond at 82, and its centre, Gortat five thousand, and Munro at sixty one on Draft Stars. Broggo is at seven six five zero. Schroeder is at thirteen two five zero, and John Wall at eighteen five five zero. Normie Powell at seventy two. Timmy Hardaway at eight four five zero, and Demar at Demar Rosen at fifteen four five zero. Torian Prince, an amazing minimum salary player on Draft Stars, at five thousand. Chrissy Middleton eleven nine, and Yani at eighteen nine five zero. McCurr is at five thousand as well minimum, Ibarker eleven one and Draymond at sixteen six and Noel Vonleigh also minimum salary player five thousand bucks and Marching Gortat eleven thousand two hundred. Don't forget check out our sponsor, SeatGeek, download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code LOFANTASY Fantasy and get yourself twenty dollar rebate on your first ticket purchase. Follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore beeble and subscribe to this podcast so you'll never miss an episode. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, in, Go ahead and do what it does. Really help the show. Also, leaving a review helps immensely as well. We are done here, guys. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.